from the Lord, saying, Arise, and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my word. Let me tell you what I love about the sovereign, omnipotent, all-powerful God of the universe. Listen, God wants to speak to his people. And he says to Jeremiah, you go down to the potter's house because I got something I want to say to you. Now listen to me, folks. I believe with everything in me this morning that the sovereign, omnipotent, all-powerful God of the universe certainly wants to speak to us right here at Mount Zion. If you believe it, say amen. We've got to be willing to listen. We've got to open our ears. We've got to open our minds to see what God is speaking unto us. Verse 3. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, the Bible says, He wrought a work on the wheel, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Verse 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, I want to thank you for loving us. I want to thank you for the message that you've given me this morning. And Lord, today I don't want to preach in my ability. Lord, I need your power. Holy Spirit, we're asking for your manifest presence in this place. We're asking that you do the work that only you are capable of doing. Lord, I'm praying that you move me completely out of the way today. You speak to me and you speak through me according to your truth. Lord, we're asking that you give us exactly what we need from your word by your power. And Lord, for these things, we're going to praise you for you alone are worthy. Lord, I'm praying today that nobody leaves here the same way they came here. We're praying that you so do a work in the hearts and lives of these people that souls might be saved, that sinners might come to know you as their personal Savior, that addictions might be broken, that families might be healed. Lord, that the saints might be strengthened. Whatever is needed today, we're asking that you do it by your power. Lord, we can't, but you can. In Jesus' mighty name, we do pray and for your sake. Amen. A new year, a new you. You see that sign everywhere, especially this time of the year. And uh, I saw it this week at a business here in town. I thought, man, what does that really mean for the believer, for everyone as far as the things of God goes? A new year, a new you. Where I heard a, a story one time about two ladies who went down to the beauty shop and they were sitting there waiting for a chair to come open. And one of the ladies looked up from her magazine and looked over at the other lady sitting across from her, and she was kind of startled, and she said, Why, Mary Jones, I had not seen you in years. She said, Mary, you just look wonderful. She said, I, I, You're doing your hair a different way. It looks as though you've lost weight. You look the best I've ever seen you. And that other lady looked up from her magazine and looked her dead in the eye, and she said, My name's not Mary Jones. And the lady said, well, my goodness, you've changed your name too. <laughs> Folks, have you ever wanted a new you? Do you want a new you in this new year? Well, if that be the case, then we need to pay attention closely to what Jeremiah chapter 18 tells us in these first six verses. We see in these verses there are three things that we, first of all, have to identify if we're going to get a hold of the powerful truth that we see right here. First of all, we need to identify the potter. Then we're going to identify 
the clay, and then we're going to identify the wheel. If we don't get a hold of that, we're not going to get the rest of this message. Now, who is the potter according to the word of God? Well, look what the Bible says. In Isaiah, or excuse me, Jeremiah 18, 6, the Bible says, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? So we know God speaking here to Jeremiah, to the children of Israel, he calls himself the potter. He says, and the last of verse 6, Behold, as the clay is in the hands of the potter, so are ye in mine hands. So I want you to get that down. I want you to get that straight. The potter is none other than the sovereign God, the Lord himself. That's what the Bible's teaching here in the book of Jeremiah 18.6. He is the master workman doing with the clay what he wills. Now, how many of you know God is sovereign? If you believe that this morning, say amen to it. Now, let me tell you what sovereign means. It's a big word that means God is in control. God can do and God will do what he wants to do whenever and however he wants to do it with whomever he wants to do it. God is in complete control of everything that's taken place. We must get a hold of that truth. God is the potter. He is the master workman. So what is the clay? If, if God is the potter, who is the clay? Well, the clay is none other than, than all of us, human beings. See, God, you know, is the sovereign God of the universe. We are the ones that he chooses to and wants to work in, work on, and work through. He's the potter. We are the clay. He's the master workman. We are his workmanship. Take your Bibles, keep your place there in Jeremiah chapter number 18, and turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 2. One of my absolute favorite verses, and I'm sure it is yours as well. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to start there in verse number 8. Watch what God's Word tells us here. Ephesians 2, verse number 8. The Bible says, For by grace are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So what is the Apostle Paul? What's the Word of God telling us here in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8? Well, it's telling us plainly that salvation has never been a work that is achieved, but it is a gift that is received. If you believe that this morning, say amen. Listen, there is nothing I can do in my own power to make myself righteous before a holy God. I'm never going to make myself acceptable to God who is holy, me being in my sin. I cannot do it in my own works. It's not a work that I achieved. I don't work enough to become a child of God. I received the free gift of salvation by grace through faith. That, the, what the Bible tells us that, Ephesians 2 and 8. Look what else it says. Look at verse 9. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And he says in verse 10, For we are his workmanship. Again, he's the master workman. He's the potter. We are his workmanship. We are the clay. He goes on to say in that last part of that verse, Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So he is the master workman. We are his workmanship. He is the potter and praise God, we are the clay. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God wants to work on me. I'm thankful that God wants to work in me. I'm thankful that God wants to work through me to accomplish his good will and purpose. I'm thankful he wants to make me a vessel that he can use and listen, that can make a difference in this world with people uh, day by day. That's what God wants to do with each and every one of us. But there's three things that we need to understand about the clay this morning. 
One Bible commentator I read just last week said that there's three uns concerning the clay that we all need to get a hold of. First of all, how many of you know the, the clay is unclean? The clay by itself is unclean. Now, I came, that became real to me in the third grade. I remember when I was in the third grade, my teacher was a woman by the name of Paula Hughes. Now, Miss Hughes was one of my favorite teachers then. She's still well, one of my favorite teachers as of today. She was a, a great teacher. I, I believe it was her calling to teach children. And, man, she done a good job doing it. But when we were in the third grade, she took us over to Jerry Brown's Pottery. Many of you have probably been to Jerry Brown's Pottery right here in Hamilton. And when we first got there on that field trip that day and we walked into his studio, there were shelves going all the way up the wall just lined up with beautiful pieces of pottery. And he said what we were going to do that day, he was going to take us through the whole process of making those bowls and uh, jugs and, and, and those pictures, whatever else he was, he was making there. He, he said, I'm going to show you how it starts. So we went out the back of his shop out into a field. And it was wet and muddy and dirty and uh, just a messy place. And we walked through that field. And I can still remember Miss Hughes getting on to me for, for getting my feet muddy. He had walk boards that we were to walk on going out into the field to see where they dug the clay. And every time she would turn her back, I'd get off the walk board and get into the mud. Now at 40 years old, this Israel Price don't much like getting in the mud, but I can promise you as an 8-year-old boy in a third grade, Israel Price liked getting in the mud a whole lot. And so she had a tough road to hoe with me and all the other little boys and some girls in the class. And so I can remember being wet and muddy and dirty on the way out to look where he dug the clay. And we walked on those walk boards part of the way down, got out to the place where he had a backhoe. And he had taken that backhoe and dug into the side of a hill and he was digging out that clay. And he said, that's where we start. We've got to get the clay from here. And I thought, my goodness, how in the world can this messy, dirty, unclean clay turn into into what I saw in that showroom. How many of you know clay is unclean? We, by ourselves, apart from God, are unclean. The Bible says all of us are sinners. See, the only difference between me and a non-believer is that I am a saved sinner. And I'm saved, not because of who I am, but because of who He is. I'm saved, not because of what I have done or what I haven't done, but because of what He has done for me. I'm saved, not by my works, but by God's grace through faith in Christ. We, apart from Christ, are unclean. Let me give you another un concerning the clay. Not only is the clay unclean, but the clay is unable. Now, how many of you know, if it had not been for the potter, Mr. Jerry Brown, that clay that I saw being dug out of the hillside out in the field, that clay that he was digging up out there in that dirty, messy, unclean place, if it had not been for the potter, there was no way that clay was able to make it in itself into that beautiful bowl that I had seen lined up on those shelves in his showroom. We'll never be. What we have been created to be will never be what God wants us to be in our own power. For we are unable. I'm telling you folks, I want God to work in me. 
I want God to work on me. I want God to work through me so that I might be pleasing to Him in this new year because I know apart from His power, it is impossible. I am unable, but God is able. God is able to do what He wants to do in me and through me and what He wants to do in you and through you individually. And God is able to do what He wants to do in us collectively as the body of Christ. I cannot wait to see what God is going to do in the hearts and lives of His people in this upcoming new year. Folks, I'm thankful for what God has done. How about you? We've seen God work. We've seen our church grow. We've seen people saved. We've seen people on fire for Jesus. And man, that is fantastic. I'm thankful for what He has done. I'm thankful for what He is doing. I agree with you, brother. I look around in our church and I see people hungry for the things of God. I see some people hungry. Now, if you're not hungry, it's time to get hungry because God wants to do something in you, something through you, something for you and for other people by His power in your life. Amen. And He can do that. He wants to do that. He will do that in this upcoming new year if we allow Him to do it by His power, not ours. We are not able, but He is. Ephesians 3.20, write that verse down in the margin of your Bible there, right there in, uh, uh, in Jeremiah 18. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto Him that is able, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. <laughs> Listen, folks. The clay is unclean. The clay is unable. Let me say something else. The clay is unlovely. When I walked into that showroom in the third grade there in Jerry Brown's Pottery, I looked on those shelves that lined the wall, and I saw those glazed pieces of pottery sitting up there. Man, it was beautiful. Even as a third grader, as an eight-year-old little boy, I began to appreciate what this man was doing. But let me say something. Without the hands of the potter, shaping and molding and making and glazing that piece of pottery that I saw in that showroom, it was never going to be lovely. God knows what He's doing. God has a plan and purpose for you. Amen. Now, if you're a child of God this morning, you ought to know that. If you don't, I'm telling you today, God has a plan and purpose for you. If you are not yet a child of God this morning, God has a plan and purpose for you, but that can only be realized through a personal relationship with Him. When you trust in Jesus and start allowing the sovereign God of the universe to make and to mold you upon the wheel so that you might be what He wants you to be, so that you might come become that lovely piece of pottery <laughs> that He wants to use for His honor and His glory. The clay is unclean. The clay is unable. The clay is unlovely. God is the potter. We are the clay. There's another thing that I want to identify this morning, and that's the wheel. Now, what is the wheel that's spoken of here? What does that symbolize in our lives today? 
What does that symbolize in the life of every human being upon the face of this earth? If the, the potter is God and the clay is the, is, the, is the people, it's us, the wheel is the circumstances that we go through in life. Now, the thing is, listen, you need to get a hold of this. Listen to me very clean, very plainly. Everybody, everybody looking up at me right now, I want you to see this. We're going to look at it in the Word of God in just a minute. But I want you to know, the potter controls when the wheel moves, how it spins, how fast or how slow. Now, if the wheel is the circumstances of life, how many of you know the Bible is telling us, according to Jeremiah 18, that the potter is in complete control of the circumstances that we face, whatever they may be. That's an amazing thing. You need to get a hold of that today. If you get a hold of that, that's going to clear a whole lot of other stuff up. The circumstances in our life are certainly what shape us and mold us, and God uses those things by His sovereign knowledge, by the providence of God, to do what needs doing for us, in us, and through us. Are you getting me? If you've ever seen a potter work, some of you may have seen them work on a pedal top wheel. They had a wheel that they, they put the, the, the lump of clay on and they would pedal with their foot. And as they pedaled with their foot, and, and if they pedaled faster, it would turn faster. If they pedaled slower, it would turn slower. But the potter was in complete control when the wheel would turn and how fast it would turn. He was in complete control of what's going on. Some of the more modern pottery wheels, if you've seen those, they're electric and they have a switch that he'd step on with his foot. And he could still control when it turns and how fast it turns. Now listen to me. I say this because a lot of us think that what happens in our lives, these small things that we see as incidental things are not things that God is using. I can promise you there really are no small things. God is in complete control. He is sovereign. If you believe it, say amen. Now, if that's true and he's in complete control of everything going on in this world, there's not a blade of grass that moves without God saying it can move. I've got good news for you. The God of the Bible is sovereign. But the God of the Bible is good. I'm going to say that again because you must have missed it. The God of the Bible is sovereign. He's in control. But he is good. The God of the Bible is sovereign. But he loves you. Because, listen folks, it could be the opposite. God could be sovereign and be bad. God could be sovereign in complete control. And listen, not look at us through the eyes of love, but look at us through the eyes of, of condemnation and contempt. And, and the truth is, He would be justified in doing so. But the good news is this God who is sovereign is good. He loves you. And child of God, you need to get a hold of this. Listen to me. The Bible says every circumstance in your life, as the wheel of circumstance turns, you can ride above all of it as it's spinning, Romans 8, 28. 
He said, Brother, what's Romans 8, 28? Well, let's put it on the screen, brothers. Romans 8, 28 says that for those who love the Lord, all things are working together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. What does this mean? This means that things we perceive to be good or things we perceive to be bad, God is using for our good and His purpose. Wow. You say, brother, how does that work? I have no clue. Believe me, I've tried to figure it out. How about you? You ever think about it? Why is this happening and why is that happening and what's going on over here and what's going on over there? And folks, if you're not careful, you'll run yourself stark raving mad trying to figure out all the possibilities. Do you want me to tell you why? Because you have an infinite mind, or excuse me, a finite mind trying to understand an infinite mind at work. And my finite mind that can only go so far is never going to be able to logically explain what or how God is doing what He's doing. Guess what? I'm okay with it. It's not always easy. It's not always joyful to experience what happens as the wheels of circumstance turn. But I can trust, knowing according to the truth that God loves me, He has a plan for me, and He knows the outcome. Can you say amen? Do you know, if it were up to us, we wouldn't do things quite like that God does things? Would we? I heard a story one time about a farmhand. He was out on a watermelon farm working. It got hot in the heat of the day, and he sat down under an oak tree. And he was looking out across that watermelon patch and saw those great big watermelons on those little bitty vines. And then he sat there, and he looked up into that oak tree that he was sitting under, and he saw an acorn hanging on that big sturdy branch. And he began logically thinking this thing through. And he said, well, if it would have been me, I would have never have put those uh, big watermelons on those little bitty weak vines. I would have put those big watermelons up in this big sturdy tree with these big sturdy limbs. And I would have never have put those uh, those little tiny acorns on those big sturdy branches. I would have taken those little tiny acorns and I would have put them down those small weak vines if it would have been me doing this work. And then right after he got finished thinking that, an acorn fell and hit him on the head. And he thought, I'm so glad that wasn't a watermelon. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we can't complain about the master painting, painting out on the canvas of our life when we can't see the whole canvas. Right? I don't know the end of the story. I don't know all the pieces that are coming together to make this work. But God does. And I can look back in my life on those small incidental things that I thought were incidental at the time. I can look back in my life and I I can see how that's really big things and great blessings now. There was a time in the 11th grade, I was 16 years old, just had turned 16. 
and I walked into a typing class, Miss Wiggs typing class at Hamilton High School. Never had been much of a typist. Does that surprise you? Still ain't much of a typist. <laughs> but I did take the class, and I'm glad I did. Let me tell you why. I sat down that day in typing class but in front of a keyboard, and the prettiest young lady you ever seen in your life sat down across from me. And I found myself spending a whole lot more time looking at her than I was looking at the keyboard. And I found myself during the class, or the course of that class, talking a whole lot more to her than I was talking about typing. And I can tell you, my typing grades suffered because of it. But that's all right. That was 25 years ago, and I'm still with that woman today. Now, I thought at the time that was just a coincidence, an incidental time in my life where I was sitting down across from this young lady in typing class, but little did I know from that God would bring us together, make us a family. Now I've got three beautiful kids. We're in the ministry together. God's working in our lives, and I can't thank him enough for it. I think about these small incidental things in my life that happened. Once upon a time, I was working out at the, uh, what's that called, the wellness center down at the college. And a member of this church came to me while I was working out, was working out together, and he said, would you be interested in pastoring a church? I was already pastoring a church. And I told him at that time, no, I don't think I would be interested. And from that small incidental thing that happened early one morning in a weight room God began doing a work over the next year that would bring me to be your pastor at Mount Zion and that seemed like a small incidental thing then but now it's been a great blessing for me what I'm trying to say is we may not do things like God does things, and it may seem small and incidental and coincidental to us, but God is at work, even in the bad stuff. I remember years ago, on June the 9th of the year 2000, I was on my way to meet my brother to go fishing. We, we fished all the time back in those days. And my brother was my best friend. And anything we did, we did together. I was on my way to meet him. He had uh, just gotten off work. And we were going to meet in town and go from there. And so I was on my way out to town. And um, I came through uh, Fox's Crossing. And I looked down there on Highway 19. And I saw that there was a bunch of commotion going on down the road. So I turned before I got there and took the shortcut. And I went on up toward the, the, the Hamilton there to meet my brother. And all of a sudden, I see these flashing lights behind me and, and, and these uh, hazard lights on this car. And this guy's flashing his headlights at me and honking his horn. And so I pull over there in, in Weston, right out here at the quick stop. I pulled in. He pulled in right behind me. C.W. Brewer. He walks up to my window. He said, man, I think you need to come back down the road. And I said, why? He said, well, just come on back down here. I'll tell you in a minute. And I, I said, well... I'm supposed to meet somebody right now. He said, come on back down, and I'll tell you in a minute. So I followed him back down to where I saw all the commotion, 
And I found out that my brother at 18 years of age had died in a car wreck. The same one I was going to meet on June the 9th. And it rocked my world completely. And it rocked my family completely. And I became very angry at God and everybody else. And I never, ever, ever could have ever thought that anything good could have happened from that. And I questioned everything. God, my, my dad, my mama has served you for years. They've been faithful servants of God. And my question was, why now would you break their heart? And I began thinking, if God is sovereign, if God is in control, He may not have caused this to happen, but He could have kept it from happening. I mean, let's get real. Isn't that the truth? And so I questioned everything. Let me tell you what happened after that. The grace of God arrested me. That's about as, I don't know how else to put it. And as far as I ran, God ran faster and God ran farther because everywhere I went, He seemed to be there. And I couldn't get far enough away until finally the hound of heaven ran me down and tackled me, changed me. And I could promise you there was a time in my life when I was running from God and mad at God and didn't understand God and trying to figure out God and not trusting God. I, there was a time in my life I would have never dreamed I would have been a pastor of a church sitting here talking to you about the goodness of God this morning. I never would have dreamed it. But I can look back now and see how God used that very, very, very bad thing in my life to teach me to trust Him. And I can see how God used that to teach me that He's never going to leave and He's never going to forsake. And I've seen how God used that to change lives. And listen, I don't think they could have been changed any other way. I didn't see it then, but I see it now. So as the wheel of circumstance turns in our life and God uses those circumstances to shape us, let me tell you what you do. Trust Him. You say, brother, I don't understand. Sometimes I don't understand. I, I can't see the end of this. Sometimes I can't see the end. See, that, that's what walking by faith is all about. That's what saying... Just like Job, Lord, even though you slay me, I'm going to trust you. I wish I could tell you it's always going to be hunky-dory and hallelujah and things are going to go great and you're going to have a great marriage and great kids and great home and great job. and God's going to have plenty of money, ain't never going to get sick. I wish I could tell you all that, but it ain't the truth. And I know you're hearing that, that trash from TV preachers and radio preachers and everybody else saying, well, as long as you have enough faith, ain't none of that going to happen to you. Guess what? That's a lie. Because some of the most godly people I've ever been around in my life have went through some of the most terrible circumstances I've ever seen. And it's amazing to me that God can reach down in the midst of that terrible circumstance and turn things around and work it all together for His good, your good, according to His purpose. 
Trust him. Trust him. Three truths I want to give you, and I'm just going to give you one this morning. You need to understand the potential of the clay. I see quite a few folks here this morning, and I want to tell you, there's really more than what we see here. Because there's three people in every seat today. You say, brother, what in the world are you talking about? Three people in every seat. Well, there's the person you are right now. Let me tell you what else is sitting in your seat. The person you can be if you turn your back on God and turn toward evil. But there's also the person you will be if you keep trusting in Jesus or trust in Jesus and allow Him to work on you, work in you, and work through you to accomplish His good will and purpose. The potential of the clay is amazing. We're just a bunch of jars broken in pieces, ain't we, brother? I like that song. I didn't tell him to sing that song. God told him, though. Lord, Lord knows what we need, don't he? <laughs> We're just these broken jars. and Being broken people, we got a lot of pieces. Let me tell you what I'm inviting you to do today. I'm inviting you to gather up all that brokenness, whatever it looks like in your life, and lay it at the feet of Jesus. And this potter can take those pieces, mold them and make them into what he wants them to be. And I can promise you that's the best way. I don't know what God's spoken to your heart this morning. Only you know that. And only you can make the decision you need to make. If you're here today and you've not yet been born again into the family of God, Today's the day. You say, oh, Brother Israel, you don't know what I've done, where I've been. You don't know all the stuff in my life. Well, guess what? God is able. And He can take your brokenness and start molding and making you to be what He wants you to be. And fulfill his plan as a vessel of honor. He can do it if you will yield yourself unto him. Now some of you are already children of God. And a lot of times what we try and do is resist the hands of the potter. We'll talk more about that later, but we do that. As God tries to shape us and he puts pressure over here and a little pressure over there and he digs his thumbs in here and he starts shaping over here and, 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 and it don't feel as good as 
we think it ought to or needs to because God is shaving things off our life that don't need to be there. Right? Has that ever happened to you? Because <laughs> it does me. And he does that by the precious word of God. And the Lord convicts me and shows me where I need to change and how I need to apply this truth and where I need to apply it. And it's amazing how he works. But if I resist that, it can do nothing but cause harm to me. It can do nothing but hurt what God wants to do. And so give it all to Jesus. Every bit of it. Say, Lord, I'm serving you with everything I've got for as long as I've got. And I'm starting right now at the beginning of 2019. <laughs> starting today. Brother, I like what you said this morning. You don't have to wait for two days to start your New Year's resolution. You can start to resolve today. Lord, I'm going to serve you. I can't say what everybody else is going to do, but Lord, I'm devoting myself to you. I'm resolving to know you. I'm relinquishing my will to your will. I'm no longer going to resist. I'm just going to say, God, have your way. Have your will. Guess what? That's the best way. Take it from me. I've experienced it both ways. I've experienced everything the world has for me. But folks, I've experienced the peace and the joy and the purpose and the relationship that I have with my Heavenly Father through Christ. In Christ. I'm thankful for it. So whatever you need this morning, believe me, God is able. He's the potter. We're the clay. Today, you make the decision in this time of invitation that you need to make. Everyone stand together, please.